Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. Everything he does is over and above. He even takes the little thing. We were just talking a moment ago. He takes the little thing and does over and above with it. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to turn to John chapter 6 with me this morning. John chapter 6. And I'm actually going to read for a moment. I remember when I was in going through uh, Bible college and, and working on my upper degree, especially the... Uh, one of the professors said, well, you know, it's really not wise to read a lot of the Bible in a church service because it confuses people. I thought, what church you've been preaching in, man? And that's kind of a mantra today in seminaries. I almost said cemeteries. I'm glad I didn't say that. But thank God for the word. Amen. This particular passage is one I'm sure uh, you'll know almost immediately. But I want you to hear it today. And just let's see if it just goes off in your spirit, if I can get this out, what I feel in my heart today. Beginning in verse 1, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed Him, because they saw His miracles, which He did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there He said unto His disciples. He sat with His disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. I don't believe that God puts that in the Bible just because uh, giving us a calendar time. I believe this miracle where he multiplies the bread and the fish, I believe it is very indicative, of course, of Passover. And we'll talk about that uh, here in just a, a moment because Jesus, of course, is our Passover lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, not in this sermon today, but uh, from time to time, uh, I will show it to you from the scriptures that almost all of the miracles that we see recorded by Jesus, uh, of Jesus in the four gospels happened on one of three major feast days or right in that season of that feast time because they were identifying something about the power, the nature, the purpose, the calling, everything of the Savior. Hallelujah. Here we have another one. Let's continue to read. Verse 5, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great multitude come unto him. He saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Isn't that an interesting thought? Philip, someone shout Philip. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for all of these. That every one of them may take just a little. He said 200 penny worth wouldn't even buy enough to feed all of these people. Some of them wouldn't get anything to eat. If we took a whole year's wages and, and went and bought it, 200 penny worth. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon uh, Simon Peter's brother said unto him, There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? 
Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves. There were five loaves. Everybody say five and two. Five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. And the disciples then to them that were sat down. And likewise of the fishes, so much as they would. And the scripture says, when they were filled, said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments. Anybody want some divine fragments today? Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Someone say over and above. above. Uh, Then the scripture says, then those men, when they had seen uh, the miracle that Jesus had done, they said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Somebody say amen. amen. Can you agree Jesus is more than just a prophet? No, he's the son of God. He always has been and he always will be. Uh, He came, the Bible says, and he began to reveal things with that prophet. Uh, He is the prophet of prophets, if I can use that term. But I see in this particular passage uh, some things about the nature of God that are very powerful. Uh, It begins like this. Uh, Jesus takes his disciples, uh, he takes them aside, and he begins to teach them. And I believe at that particular, it was around Passover. I believe Jesus begins at that point uh, to do a, almost a human video, a living demonstration of what he's been teaching them. He he had already uh, done one. He'd already just made the wine in John chapter two, uh, supernaturally. And now he makes the bread and the fish in that meal. Somebody shout amen. And he was going to teach them later on, I am the wine, I am the blood, I am the the flesh, I am the bread, I'm the meat uh, of that covenant that you and I have with him. And Jesus over and over would do certain kind of parallels like that. And he would reveal uh, his self in in phases. He would reveal it by teaching, he'd reveal it by preaching, and he'd reveal it by his demonstrations. And uh, that, that way, no one in that day who knew of him could deny that he had fulfilled those prophetic things. Uh, he, he not only, it was the word made flesh, he taught the word, but then he also, of course, demonstrated the word. How many of you are glad that our God is not God just in deed or just in name only? No, no, he's a God in demonstration too. He's the God of power. Let me just talk for a few minutes with this. Uh, It's very important to get that in your spirit, that God is not a museum. He's not just a historic uh, tale that we talk about. He's the God of action. He's the God of demonstration. And he has no problem if he'll get, uh, if he finds someone who will believe and who will act uh, like his hands, his feet today, uh, God will prove that he is God. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, the scripture says right here, they look up and they see 5,000 uh, men coming. The word man right there is actually the word for husbands. 
which is very interesting because it would be uh, awkward in that particular day for uh, men to go and be gone for a season of time like that without their families being with them. Most historians say that there were 5,000 men that he records right here. One of the other uh, uh, gospels also uh, talks about this particular miracle and it says there were the men plus the, the wives and children. So it's important to understand that. So somewhere, uh, in, in just on the average, I would say there was close to 25 to 30,000 people that were in this particular crowd. Is that all right with everybody to understand that? So if Jesus could do it for 5,000, he could do it for, uh, for 5,000 families. He could do it for 30,000 individuals too. We know there were some children there because there was a young lad. So there were more than just uh, uh, grown men or just husbands. It wasn't like this was like a men's convention stuff uh, going on right there. Uh, so there is a family. And all that does to me is just even amplify the magnitude uh, of the miracle that Jesus does right here. And so Jesus was going to prove their faith. He wanted to test if they were receiving what he was teaching. One time Jesus uh, told, he, he did some miracles, some powerful miracles. And then he said, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. Uh, and then he says to them, I've been teaching you. You've seen the miracles. You've listened to what it was. Uh, where is your faith? Uh, it's an interesting uh, question right there. Uh, actually, he says to them, oh, ye of little faith. I mean, the boat's about to get swamped and everything. And he says, oh, ye of little faith. And that word, oh, ye of little faith, five English words, but it's one Greek word. Uh, and it's the word oligopistos. Everyone say oligopistos. Say this with me. I'll never forget oligopistos. And so he says it like that to him. He says, where is your faith? Oligopistos. And it just literally means uh, faith in a duration of time. It doesn't necessarily mean faith in the sense of volume or amount, but it means faith in duration. In other words, I was just up there teaching you and demonstrating. I told you to get in the boat, go to the other side. I tell you to rebuke the storm, uh, Peter, and you panic out of the thing. And all ye of little faith are, why did your faith last such a short time? From the time we got in the boat till the time uh, the first problem happened. You know, sometimes we go to church. I don't want to get off on, on this anyway, uh, real deep. But can I just say, we do not need to allow our faith to wane for our faith to move because it's great to come into the house of God. It's hard not to have faith. When you get a group of believers together, worshiping, the word of God's breaking out there, the, all of the good things are happening. I mean, you, you can believe for anything in that environment. But what happens when you get out in the storm? You get in the nasty now and now, you should hear on the inside of you, I am not going to let go of my faith. It needs to be written on your heart and in your mouth. Hallelujah. Oh, you, uh, maybe I should say, oh, ye of, of short time faith. Have you ever, have you ever been prayed for? You came to the house of God and you were believing and someone laid hands on you and prayed for you. And you know in your inner man that you were touched by God. And then you walk out there and all the symptoms and signs try to do something else. Am I talking to anybody? Yeah. Don't get rid of your faith. That's when you bow up in the name of Jesus, take the sword of the spirit 
Come on, the, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and begin to proclaim with his stripes, I was healed. According to James 5, I've had hands laid on me. I believe, I receive in Jesus' name. These symptoms will have to change. You stand on your faith. Stand on your faith. I believe there are many women in here who have prayed for years over things. I trust in Jesus' name that you prayed the first time in faith. And you've not gotten off of that faith every time you've mentioned it to God since then. Uh, you use your faith to rebuke whatever's trying to stop that, that mountain that's trying to stop it. And then you rise up in the name of Jesus and begin to thank God that he's heard your prayer and that the time and the season of that coming to pass is closer, not further away. Amen. Come on. If the time's not right, God makes the, the time right. You stand in your faith and refuse to back off. The body of Christ, listen guys, we have to rise up in Jesus' name and speak the word of God and not let go of what we are believing in accordance to the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, shout the name of Jesus. Jesus. Have you ever prayed for something and the answer didn't happen immediately? If it was worth praying over the first time in faith, then you hang on to it believing, declaring I have received it and I'm going to see it before it's over with. And then anything that's trying to stop it, trying to slow it down that you feel like is actually a, a spiritual hindrance, you take authority in the spirit over that. Too many times people are praying for their families. Family's always a big thing. Everybody understands that. Uh, family's what you're going to take to heaven with you. You're going to know two, you're going to know two people when you get to heaven, so to speak. You're going to know your family in heaven and you're going to know your church family in heaven. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Getting pretty excited thinking about that. Rick, I hope I get to live by you. That big old house you got, maybe God will give you another one in heaven like that. Besides, you have a swimming pool. I need one. No, I don't. I don't need a swimming pool. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God we have a great church. Somebody would go out there and be digging in my backyard if I'm not careful. And I, and I receive the act of love, but I don't need a swimming pool. I promise you. <laughs> Glory to God. You okay? I was going to get me a new swimming suit the other day because my old one had a hole in the knee, you know, and so I... That'll sink in in a minute. And so Philip says, Lord, there, there's 200 penny worth uh, of money that would not buy all of these people food that are here. There's 5,000 of them. You know, Philip gets some bad press a lot of times, and so does Andrew uh, over these things. But the more I read that, the more I think Philip was not necessarily complaining to God about uh, we don't have enough money. I believe he was actually saying to Jesus, Jesus. I mean, I'm just thinking of it from a preacher's perspective. Uh, what if we start feeding all these people 200 penny worth would not take care of all of their need. We're going to run out. Maybe he was thinking, if we do that, they're, they're not going to believe you anymore. They're not going to follow. Maybe he did not want to expose Jesus to a task that might make him look bad. Maybe he had the kind of character that was actually good saying, Jesus, why don't we send them away to get their own food? Because if we try to do it, it's not going to happen. 
We're not going to be able to fail them. Uh, I don't know if he was saying we have 200 penny worth and that's going to take all of our money. Or if he was saying, even if we spent that much money, it would not take care of all of this, all of that particular need. But I just don't want it to happen. Have you ever felt like sometimes you want something good to take place, but you just kind of fell short of the mark? Am I talking to anybody right now? And you always have a concern. Maybe Andrew and Philip right here, the two that spoke up, uh, maybe they just did not want the guilt of that. You know, my experience in life is there are a lot of times and a lot of people who deal with a lot of guilts that are way outside of their control. Things that they really didn't want, uh, that maybe they uh, got uh, subject to some way or another. And they wind up living their life for that. Maybe Philip was saying, uh, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass the movement. Uh, can we just send them away and then they can come back to the next message? Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so instead of, of him just kind of coming out with it, I believe he was masking something right there and what he was saying. Too many times people are full of guilt. Uh, listen, guilt is a killer. I said guilt is a killer. It'll hurt your blood pressure, your kidneys, your lungs, your heart, your conscience, your mind. Some people live all of their life with these guilts on them over things that they wish they could have done better. Uh, may, maybe if I had not gotten involved with, you know, with, with that girl, with that woman or that man earlier in life, some things, uh, uh, you can't undo that. You can't unscramble eggs, but you can give it to the Lord. Get the guilt off of you. Quit trying to make God look good by not taking the risk of faith when God says to do something. Maybe uh, you, you have an expectation of something not going good. I, listen, I've talked to a lot of people in life, and we all do, uh, talk to people who they think if things begin to go a little bit good, hang on, I'm sure they're going to get bad before it's over with. And they have this expectation Maybe Philip had some of that in him and he just didn't want to embarrass Jesus some way or another. Uh, but I've got good news for you today. You cannot be everything to everybody. Amen, can I get a better amen? amen? You can't be everything to everyone. You can just do your best. But now listen, you and Jesus together, that's a whole different thing now. Philip was looking at that from a monetary position and from an impact position right there. He's forgetting he's talking to the one who made the fish, the one who made the bread. Come on, guys, get this in your spirit today. You and I can go through some disappointing things in our life, but you cannot afford to take the guilt of your yesterday and sew it into the fabric of your emotions. I'm helping somebody right now. I'm not sure if this is just for me or you or somebody else, but get this in your spirit today. God will set you free. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I was fortunate. I had a beautiful mother and a father that they, they didn't put guilt trips on their kids. But I've heard so many times uh, people talk about how they were afraid they were going to fail their parents because if they fail their parent, the parent would just, uh, just go after them some way in a real negative, uh, condescending manner or worse, in very difficult ways like that. And so it kind of begins to temper something inside of them that they are afraid to risk what they should to be able to pro progress 
where they should be going because they have put inside of them the fear of failure. So it's easier to not risk it than it is to go ahead and obey God and risk it. Listen, there's a risk in faith. When you, well, when Moses steps out on the water, stretches the rod out, there's a risk in faith. Has anyone ever took a, a risk in faith before? Anyone ever had a risk in faith before? Come on. Think about it with me just a moment. I don't mind telling you. I remember when I was in college. Um, I, you know, I grew up in, in, in the house of God. I was speaking in tongues before I could speak in English. Mom and dad were pastors and I was almost born in church. My mother got to the hospital in time and, and all of that. But uh, I grew up serving God, seeing miracles, uh, and I had inherited a lot of faith. But I didn't have a lot of working faith in my own life. And I remember when I was in college uh, and, and was going, uh, I was playing baseball. And the one thing I did not have was dinero. You know what I'm talking about? I didn't have much money. But I was there, but I had a car. And cars require gasoline. Have y'all noticed that? <laughs> Especially back in the 70s. And so I had heard about people that had put water in their tank. And if God would turn the water into wine, <laughs> in my head on the inside is saying, not a good idea. But my spirit man on the inside was saying, really? You're going to try this? So I prayed about it and just poured some water in there. Oh, hallelujah. Does this remind you of anything? But you know, instead of that hurting my faith, somehow or another, because I had tried it and survived it. It increased my faith. The next time I felt like I had an unction of some kind, I knew the difference that day in myself versus God. So I could be in, I could be in a grocery store, it could be anywhere else, and I would hear that still small voice of the Lord uh, say, pray for that person. I just go pray for him. Ask him, can I pray for you? I feel like uh, God wants me to pray for you. And I've never had one person turn me down when I say that. Somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> it began to increase my faith because I broke through that day my own uh, limitation, my own intim uh, intimidation of obeying God. Something happens when you make that step. I'll never forget uh, when we, uh, years ago, of course, this is, you know, 55, 60 years ago, 55 years ago, when, when we would go out and pass out tracts and witness to people and uh, tell them about the Lord. You know, we, you know, we live in the United States, uh, in the South and all of that, so you give a, a gospel tract to somebody, and most of the time, they'll just take it and go on, unless they want to stop there and talk. But they don't, uh, most of the time, they're not going to say, no, you know, no, I don't believe any of that, and all that. Occasionally that might happen, but so we, I was just a little kid, and we're passing out tracks. And it was growing my faith. And the first time someone said to me, kid, I don't take none of that, I don't want any of that kind of stuff. You know, instead of it shaming me and humiliating me, it fired me up. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It has the exact opposite effect of what your fear or your intimidation might have been as long as you will act in faith. 
When you, when you act in faith, my experience has been, if you miss it and you're acting in faith and the motive of your heart is right, you might not be doing what you need to do to make uh, that cooperation with the Holy Spirit, but you're trying. If you fall years ago, about, about 30 something years ago, the Holy Spirit said to me, if you'll do what I tell you to do, if you miss it, but you're trying to obey me, if you fall, you'll always fall forward. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you raise your children, when you raise your families, it's very important. Come help me, Sergio. It's very important when you're raising your family and maybe you want to start that business and, and you're waiting for God just to do everything for you. I mean, like drop it down right in front of you, laid out with all the accounts and all of the production and all the everything you need. No, no, no. You just start where you are in the name of Jesus. And you make that decision. You're not going to let the fear of failure keep you from success. There's no such thing as, as success without going through a difficult time. All success has that in it. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Michael Jordan. You don't get to be Michael Jordan unless you're shooting a thousand free throws and three pointers a day in practice when everyone else is doing what everyone else is doing. Are y'all listening to me right now? Jordan with all of his basketball ability and all of some, in my opinion, mine only. So don't come up here and argue with me because it won't make any difference. Just an opinion. I think pound for pound, inch for inch there, he, he was the best uh, basketball player of our era overall in the game. I just thought he was really good. Now, if you think it's somebody else, you have the right to be wrong. That's okay. It's all right. So anyway, I always thought he was real good. But I was reading his life story and some things about him one day and how he got cut from the team when he was in the ninth grade and all of that kind of stuff. They, they didn't want him to play. They didn't think he was a good basketball player. Have you ever noticed that disappointment sometimes pushes people down? But if you got something on the inside of you, and I'm just going to say to you, you got something from God on the inside of you. Instead of pushing you down, come on. It's like, oh yeah, watch this. That just means I'll spend more time in the gym. And that coach was probably right that day. I don't know. Uh, maybe he wasn't there. He obviously wasn't, you know, the guy that won all the awards and everything that he did uh, later on. He didn't have that game yet, but he developed it. He kept pressing. It's that way when you're serving God. If you have a voice you like to sing, I know you got a good voice. You sound awesome in the shower, I'm sure. But that's a whole different thing when you're praising the Lord in front of people. But if you have a gift and a call from God, get involved in the, in, in, in the music ministry. If you love children and you want to uh, teach and help in that, don't wait for somebody to come get you. Do exactly the opposite. Make yourself available. Get involved. Let God have something to work with. Come on, shout hallelujah. And so finally, he says, Lord, we just don't have the money, the people. How are we going to match all this up with all of that food? Uh, we, we just wouldn't be able to buy enough for all of these people is what he said. For everybody to take a little, there just wouldn't be enough. And then Andrew, Peter's brother, speaks up and he says, but there is a little boy here that has five loaves and two fishes. And, but, but what are they among so many? Let me tell you what they are. They're what God uses. 
to cause the little thing to become big. Have you noticed how so many of the miracles that are in the Bible start very little? I see a cloud the size of a little cloud the size of a man's hand. Look, that, that changed the world almost. And it begun just like that. The history of what took place uh, when that flood began to take place uh, up on that mountain and Elijah and his servant ran down there. First Kings 18, you can read it later. It just started like that. Uh, what do you have in your house, Elijah said. And that widow said, well, all I have is just a, you know, a little pot of oil and a little bit of meal in a barrel. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, that turned into an amazing miracle. Uh, Jesus looked around. He said, I don't see anything to use right here. I'll tell you what to do. Take this water pot right here and just fill it up with water and now carry it around until I tell you to do something with it. And all he ever told them to do was draw out now. Look, you in your own ability to get an answer for that thing you are praying about, you're believing for, that thing you want to do, you're in your own ability. Almost always you will not be sufficient just by yourself. It will limit you to what God's plan is. But right in the beginning, somebody shout hallelujah right now. And right in the beginning, if you will get God involved with that, pray over it, then act on that word. Come on, somebody say act. Amen. Say it again. Amen. You have to act on that word. When you act on the word, it is amazing what takes place. As a pastor, I've had many times other pastors and ministries say, how in Lamarck, Texas, of all of the places, does a church and a ministry like Abundant Life, like we are, how does that happen here? Well, you know, it's really not rocket science, though we're real close to NASA. It's not rocket science. There are certain principles. Money works just on principles. Building buildings work on principles. Uh, just architectural and engineering things. You don't have to have God for any of those. Just, just operate on good principles. And you'll expand. You'll do good. But what goes beyond that? What makes it happen? So, so, you, so you do those other things. Well, it's because you start where you are in faith, acting. You act, you lay hands on people now. You start in the jail. You start at the house. You, you begin wherever you can. I'll never forget one of the first places that we ever met. It was the second place, actually. The second place we ever met as a church was in a funeral home. Uh, we could not find a building back in those days, 35 years ago. We couldn't find a building anywhere around that uh, we thought would accommodate. Uh, at that time, we thought, well, let's have 150 people. We need to be able to seat 150 people. And because the church uh, had about, you know, 25 or 30 members. So we thought that's what we'll do. So I look all around, I look all around, and uh, me and a couple other guys, and could not find anything. And when I talked to someone, it would never be right. It just wouldn't work. Until finally, I drive through Lamarck. And when I drive through Lamarck, there's a funeral home. Impkin Linton Funeral Home, Lamarck, Texas. Right on Main Street right there, crossing the post office. That's where it was in those days. And I started thinking about it. I thought, you know, he doesn't do services on Sunday, and we do. I wonder if he'll let me use that or, or lease that 
uh, funeral home to us on Thursday. It seated about 125, maybe 100, I don't think it'd do 150, 125 people. So I went to him. He's a, he's a, he's a wonderful fellow. So I went to him and uh, he had two or three funeral homes. And uh, I, I heard people were just dying to do business with him. I don't know. That's what I was told. I just want to know if you're listening today. So I, I did. I went and spoke to him. And I said, you know, the church, we, we'd like to rent that from you. If we could use that on, on Sundays, uh, we'll take care of it. We'd just use your chapel. And uh, we'll pay you $700 a month. Uh, that's in 1985. If we could use that uh, on, on Sundays. And we talked for a few minutes. He said, you know what, uh, pastor? He said, yeah, go ahead. Y'all y'all do it. Here's the requirements. And he told me what we had to do. We had to tear it down uh, inside, make it look like a funeral home. When we left, we could take it and kind of turn it into a little chapel and into a, a little church look uh, when we first started. And he said, but I don't want you to put a sign up outside because I'm afraid if you put a sign up outside, people won't want to do business with us. I don't want to make the jokes. Yeah, I promise you I've got them right now. They're, they're, they're firing through my head right now too. And uh, I said, you know what? Thank you, sir. We'll do that. And he never one time uh, would take a check from us. He, he didn't want the money. He, 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 one time he told me, he said, I just want to see what's going to happen. <laughs> You're having church in an active funeral home. I said, look, I've been to a lot of churches that feel like funeral homes. But I hadn't been to a lot of funeral homes feel like a church, so something good's going to happen in this place. And so we, we begun to meet there. And he got in the newspaper, church, meeting in a funeral home, Jim Jones, you know, all of that stuff. And, and uh, I mean, I know what it's like to, to strip, step out and do that. Look, I know what it's like to be in the restaurant with my beautiful uh, little wife and, and three daughters, just little children in those days, little bitty ones. And somebody walked by with their child who's just kind of smiling and laughing and pull their child aside. And I heard them say, come over here, leave it on. That's those people that have church in a funeral home. Like that. You know, that wasn't a happy day for me. But you've got to act on your faith. You've got to do what you're supposed to do. And we were in there for about nine months and then we uh, got a warehouse. And then as we continue to, to develop, uh, we bought the first two acres of land out here and uh, bought it, built the first building. And on uh, the... And it would have been uh, Easter of the second year of 87. Uh, we dedicated the very first building. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Shortly after that, paid it off and just continued to go. But it happened because we refused to fear failing. Amen. We just went ahead and pressed, stretched out and pressed, tried to obey God. That happens in your life. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a church for that to happen. That happens when you obey God in business in your family, and you have to make a decision that whatever your disappointments were yesterday, you cannot just channel those things into your today and automatically believe they're gonna repeat themselves. Exactly the opposite. I like something I heard somebody say one time, and I think it's beautiful. They said, I don't ever lose. I refuse to accept losing. I just learned how not to do something. What a great thought. Uh, instead of, of, of owning guilt 
and all of those things from your yesterday. If it's sin, put it before Jesus. Let the blood of Jesus cleanse you. Ask for forgiveness. You will be forgiven and get it out of your nature. And refuse to own the failure of yesterday. Just call it a learning lesson. Philip says, Lord, this is the way it is. Andrew says, probably just reinforcing Philip. He says, well, you know, all we have been able to find is a little boy that has five little biscuits, you know, five loaves and two fishes. And uh, which I think is an interesting thing to begin with because you just take five and two and add them together and, and it comes out with seven. Thank you. It's not a trick question. Five and two. Seven. And seven is the number of completeness. It's the number of fulfillment. It's the number of wholeness, totality. And he says, all we have are these five and two. And Jesus said, bring them to me. Look, sometimes you feel like you're a little bit desperate, but I've never been so desperate that I was taking kids' their lunch money from them. That's not the case. And they're up there getting a kid's meal like that. And uh, obviously the parents or that, that young lad would have said, do it, because I'm sure Peter didn't hold him down, you know, with the full Nelson and all that kind of stuff and somebody rob his meal from him. Look, Jesus, look what we got. No, no, no. There had to have been some cooperation in there, obviously. And they bring it to Jesus and Jesus blesses it and begins to distribute it. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, he, he'll take that. Can I just call it? He'll take that whole. He'll take that five and two. He'll take that seven in your life. My daddy used to preach this particular message years ago. He'd say, God knows how to get you whole. He can take your inability, your insufficiency, your lack. And if you will come to him with what you have, like just as I am, he knows how to fill you up with sevens. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, he'll do it in every area of your life. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Stand on your feet with me this morning, if you would, please. Glory to God. We could read the rest of the story again, but it's not necessary at this point. You read it yourself. I'm thinking about Philip and Andrew, how they acted when the other disciples just waited around. Really, the other guys didn't even get involved until the miracle started. And then they began to distribute them out. And they became ushers. They set them in fifties and hundreds. And the Bible says on green grass and took care of them the best they could like that. But two of them acted in advance. One of them, I think for sure, acted out of trying to cover Jesus. So I wouldn't call that an act of faith on Philip's part. Uh, maybe he was even uh, reflecting back on some of the times when, when, because usually you respond according to the experiences you've had that have impacted you in life. And so maybe that's why he responded that way. Andrew, being Peter's brother, probably just said, well, you know, here, here's five loaves and two fishes. Those are small biscuits, of course. And I like to call them sardines and crackers almost, you know. He said, that's all we have. And Jesus said, well, then bring them to me. I believe when you and I are the ones who act, what did Jesus say about the pool of Bethesda? Who gets in the pool first? 
That's the one that gets the miracle. I believe this morning there is an anointing in this house. This is a little bit different, but think about it with me for a moment. That God will set you free from mindsets, bruises, situations that have just bothered you for years. That have almost shaped your personality some way in a way you wish it wasn't. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, God knows how to change everything if we know how to give it to God. If we know how to act on our faith, would you lift your hands to the Lord? Father, in the name of Jesus, this anointing that's in this house today, let your glory be seen in our lives today, God. I thank you, Lord, that you're the God who delivers us from the past. Lord, that all of our fears, all of our failures, all of our situations, everybody's got one, God. Lord, I thank you that the fear of failing will not be the legacy of the families of this house of faith. But we are doers of the word of God and not hearers only. Stir our faith up, oh God. I thank you, Lord, that as we obey you, that Lord, there will always be over and above more than enough. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, I thank you that your heart is to supply the need of the 5,000 and to heal Philip and to heal Andrew and to cause them to come into the very role of faith. You said you did that to prove them. You tested them. You showed them in their own life where they needed to come up higher, something they needed to let go of and something they needed to take a hold of. Jesus, show yourself mighty on behalf of the beloved today. I thank you, Lord. The spirit of guilt, condemnation, fear, risk. Jesus, let your will be done today. Let your will be done. Pray this out loud with me this morning, church. Heavenly Father, I believe the Word of God. I am a doer of the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free. I lay at your feet every weakness, every pain, every failure, every abuse, every relationship that's ever tried to hold me back, that has affected my life. I know about it, God. You know about it, God. And I give it to you today. Fill me now with your word and your spirit. Let faith arise and the enemy be scattered. I thank you, Lord. Today, I will not be held back from doing your will. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. And it works in me today. Thank you, Lord. For this new season, the sun sets me free and I am free indeed. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it yourself, shout to the Lord today. Glory to God. Let it work in your spirit today. Pastor Josh, come up and uh, tell us about this evening at six o'clock. It's gonna be a powerful time in the house of the Lord. God is good. Now, church, are you receiving that word today? 
Remember the word illegal pistos. Come on, say it with me. I will never forget. Illegal pistos. Oh, ye of little faith. Don't let that be you. It means short time, short duration. You got it in you today when you walk out here uh, tomorrow, the next day, the next day. Keep acting on your faith. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.